I have a very particular way of browsing the web, and H has commented on it in the past. Okay. Uh, that I will go to a page, and then I will open a lot of like related links in the background, and I will go through the related links, and then go back to the main page, right? And so it, it works like that, especially if I'm looking at programming documentation i want to look through and then i want to be like okay wait what does this enum mean and so then we want to open up that enum and look at that thing and then we jump back to where we were before um that is an outgrowth that that is a behavior that i picked up based on the choose your own adventure smut that i would read Uh, were you reading (laughs) were you reading choose your own adventure just like we go through one storyline, see how the decisions play out, and then go through another one, and then go through another one. Yeah. <laughs> That's pr- quite possibly the most Zach thing I've ever heard. <laughs> hey, Zach. Hey, Liz. Um, so today, for the first time in a year or more, I went and I sat down at a coffee shop. Zach, yeah. we're in a panini. A panini. Uh, we are in a panini. Um, the coffee shop had outdoor seating. And I... I don't know. have had just two things. One, I feel more confident about safety in general and two i've had my like barometer of what is uh you know a smart decision to make in covid time slowly eroded you know yes slowly you go well it's i don't it's probably fine i don't know sure it's it'll be outside it's what's what could go wrong um and it took me more than a year to get to that point which is not the best, but is better. <laughs> yep. Could be worse. So how was it? It was good. It was nice. There were a lot of good dogs there. It, you know, outdoor nice. coffee shop. People will bring their dogs up. They'll get a little pup cup. They'll sit down. They'll do some, some whatever. They'll have their dogs. Um, and there's just, it was so nice. It was so nice to be like out in the world with people. And in commercial interactions with service workers Uh there's a certain level of like politeness and you're like wow that's that's politeness because somebody is paying you to to say nice things right and sometimes that can be a little grating you can be like okay well i just want to get my coffee and not have to think about the complex economies of human labor that go into this coffee being delivered to my hand um you know yeah not like (laughs) don't even start thinking about what happens before the coffee gets to the coffee shop it's fair trade certified don't worry about it someone else has done that thinking for me thank you yeah i love when a stamp thinks for me (laughs) um Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so all of those pleasantries were so nice and I'd for, like forgotten for a year. I was like, all right, we, you go up and you talk to a person and like whatever, but you're sitting down and they bring you your thing and they're like, can I get you anything else? And you're like, I don't, you literally, I just, I could have come, you could have said like, Hey, jump across this lake of lava and pick your thing up. And I would have been like, yeah, that sounds reasonable right now. Yeah. That's kind of what I expect for the times I could bike, you know, however many miles to pick my thing up so I don't have to pay 10 extra dollars to DoorDash and you don't have to pay 10 extra dollars to DoorDash and it's just like a, a, a drain on this interaction that I want to have with a restaurant so I'll bike there and whatever, um, right? You took your food across this the space into the outside and then said, is there anything else I can help you with? And I like didn't understand, I didn't know how to react to that uh, because... I've spent so long being like, well, this is, I just need to accept that nothing good can ever happen um, because it's COVID times and it's still COVID times, but maybe sometimes good things can happen. And there's people who are nice uh, and they're nice because they are nice people and they're nice because they get paid to be nice. And both of those things are true. And that does not make the nice any less impactful to me. It doesn't make it any less real to me, I suppose, is what I mean. Mm hmm. I okay. still don't want Starbucks to have people tell me my name, though, from an app. Still don't want that. Just say the drink. I, You know what? I, okay, so a little bit of a derail, but I have a thing. I think coffee shops can go two ways. So the process is you place your order. And if they are the type of coffee shop that takes names, which is most these days, mm -hmm. they'll ask you for your name and you give them a name. It doesn't really matter which name. It just has to be identifiable. Right. And then they, and then you go sit down and they make your coffee. And then when the coffee is ready, they say, I have a coffee for Liz. Mm hmm But they don't just say coffee. They'll say exactly what I got. The specific order for Liz. Right. Which what if there are two Liz's and one of them gets a gets a sixteen ounce flat white and the other one gets a twelve ounce flat white? What if th then the the coffee is the identifiable part? Then your order is the identifiable part. <laughs> I have a... If I'm getting flat whites, I guess. Uh, there's name and coffee. I understand that it's slightly more... Ver like, there's some more, like... Okay, yeah, it's not a different Liz's coffee. Or it's not someone else's flat, flat white. Uh-huh. I understand why they do it. I just think it's a little like, I don't want you announcing everything to the world about the thing that I. So was a, I'm realizing that I this was a larger problem in a previous life. Yeah, I I didn't. Th it, these are thoughts that I had, way back when. Uh huh. And I hadn't re-examined them until this very moment. <laughs> so. You get to see that live. Yeah. Sorry, let's cut that out.
I, yeah, you said, um, and you can give them whatever name you want to. And I was like, oh, that's a very interesting, uh, that's a, that's a very sort of statement to make. It's an extremely sort of statement. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so what did you end up like doing when they asked, like, can I help you with anything else? I don't know. There was nothing else that I needed help with. I just said, no, that's thank you. Um, that, that seems like a yeah it didn't seem like you forgot how to do pleasantries no but i forgot that they existed mm, if it okay. were not for muscle memory i would have been like uh, you can i nope you can have a good day <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah i can you can actually help me with that by tipping <laughs> I feel like this is a skill that we need to like build back up. I think so. I it didn't take me long to have it. I like I said it's it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. I have I think been to that coffee shop before and and could just be like, well, everything's good. If I had needed the Wi-Fi password, god, what what nonsense words would have come out of my mouth before <laughs> I got to my actual question? <laughs> Because I think a little bit we got through COVID by not really acknowledging one another. There's a hypothesis, and then I'm going to question that hypothesis. Who is who is we? We as a society. We like big we. Okay. We like when the New York Times says we. We. Okay. Yeah, that kind yeah, yeah. of we. I don't know. I, I don't know where else that thought can go. Um, but I do think it's true. I think there was an element of like, we're all masked up and I'm just going to nod at you and you're going to nod at me. And that's like transaction over that yeah. because because we're having to wall ourselves off in all these other ways. It is natural to just be like, OK, masks are on. You don't have to say more than like, how are you doing? Good. And, you know. Yeah. Um, Not only is it uncomfortable to have a longer interaction than that, but it's also like a risk to everyone's safety. Right. And I don't really think I find it uncomfortable, but I do think that I was like, well, if I have to wall myself off in every other way for safety, for everyone's safety, then why would I not do this other one? And that was never a conscious, like, I'm going to wall myself off from everyone. Um, but I do think it happened. So anyway, I don't know. I went I went to the coffee shop, and it was nice, and I just saw people around. I saw somebody come up. He had a dog. It was the cutest dang dog. Um, and the dog didn't want to go inside, and so he picked up the dog, and he brought the dog inside, and he got his drink, and he came back out, and he sat down, and his friend showed up and pulled out a wooden go board and they just set the go board down on the table and started playing go awesome very cool. and i just wa- like i was like trying to do things and i was just watching i was like they're playing go right now and i don't remember any of the rules to go but i think if i watch for long enough maybe i will remember some of them based on what moves they're making and eventually i remembered at least some of the rules to go if none of the gambits and that was very cool there were, I don't know, there were just like humans out and about in the world. And that's a thing that it's, I feel like I have not really seen. Um, so 
I'm ready for the pandemic to be over now. <laughs> Thanks. If you guys could just knock it off for a second. Uh-huh. Merlin Man said it's the eye of the hurricane, and I said, oh no. And I did not think for a couple seconds after that. I have to assume, because there's no other thoughts that come after that. I think I just went, and then, you know, new train of thought. That one disappeared. Speaking of weird social interactions. Okay. I was recently asked uh, in the context of a conversation starter card. Uh Uh-huh. What my favorite ice cream was. And I said cookies and cream. And they were like, cool. And I said, yep. (laughs) Anyway, I tried Brave Robot ice cream. The cookies and cream one. I tried the cookies and cream, or like vanilla and cookies, Brave Robot ice cream. Uh-huh. It was really good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Did it Did it feel like ice cream? Or it did. Or did it feel like a thing that was simulating ice cream? It felt like ice cream. Good. There's like a, it's like a range of ice cream, you know, like... Ben and Jerry's is going to be a little bit different from the Kemp's or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely within normal parameters. Okay. If you, like, just said, try this new ice cream, I would not even think that it was a weird ice cream. All right. Um, what's your review of it? I mean, that was the review. We got to give it a rating, though. How many gifts per boss is this? Oh, okay. So the issue is, I think there's like the perfect amount of gifts per boss is not an unlimited amount of gifts. Right. It is like somewhere around like maybe one a year. For me, okay. maybe two a year if like uh-huh. you have a really good relationship. Yeah. Uh, and something that's like above that or below that, like below is actually pretty more acceptable than above that. After like above two, it starts getting a little weird for me. Okay. Like I start reading into it a little bit. So the and- system goes one, two, zero, three, four, five, six, seven. As far as which one is optimal. Yeah, okay, so like one would be best, two is less good, zero is less good than that, and three is less good than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how I'm thinking about it. Uh, I would say it is two gifts per boss. It is not okay. perfect. It is not perfect, but it uh, mostly on the variety, I think. Like, that's not the ice cream's fault, necessarily. But Mm -hmm. I think there's like five flavors and only four of them actually exist in my grocery store. Right. And I would have liked 
Like there was chocolate, vanilla, vanilla and cookies and peanut butter. And like, that's pretty good. It's a good variety. And I don't think I'm going to get bored of it. But I would have liked to see like, I don't know, the cookie part of the vanilla and cookie is not very impressive. So that's where I'm at. So two, it's not perfect, but it is pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not making me uncomfortable. Brave Robot is a company that thought about something that I never would have thought of. I never would have been like, what if we just throw a bunch of microbes in a vat and train them how to make uh, how to make milk? I never would have got there. Don't um, say it like that. I don't want to eat the ice cream anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I don't want to eat the ice cream when you tell me about how they get it from the cows either. So, Yeah. If everything just didn't have a source, right? My coffee doesn't need to have a source because the sources might say pleasantries to me. And what do I do with that? <laughs> what if the coffee's not stamped? What do I do? <laughs> These are fair trade microbes. Um, <laughs> They're not GMOs. We didn't genetically modify the milk. Just the things that make the milk. Yeah. I get, wait, do you have to label? Because if a cow, well, that's a different thing. The bovine growth hormone is a hormone that you feed the cow. And so that is a different thing than genetic modification. At that point, you're just mincing words. Anyway. So the, the brave robot thought about something you never would have thought about. Right. Yes. Uh, and I'm I'm really glad about that. You know, I never would have gone out in the world and been like, "Man, I really want um, I really want ice cream that microbes made." Uh, <laughs> you're telling me a microbe made this ice cream? Uh, <laughs> my brain is just a useless. Su- we'll talk about this later. My brain is just a useless <laughs> soup of phrases. And you can hear. All about it in the after show. <laughs> For just a dollar a month. That's the price of a really cheap coffee. <laughs> yes. For the price of just one gas station coffee a month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for something that is more than the price of a gas station coffee a month, um, I you can get Apple devices. Uh, recently, Apple had WWDC, uh, which is their worldwide developer conference, uh, and they were like, hey, here's all our stuff. We made some stuff. Do you want to use the stuff? And uh, a lot of people were like, yeah. And Marco Arment was like, I don't like the way that you're handling developer relations. It's um, a legitimate criticism. I'm on his side. Um, but I also really like when programming languages do different things. And I think async await is one of the s- stages that it's like we're still developing it, but we're in like the last quarter of figuring out how to do async await the right way, you know? Yes. Um, that, like, like eventually it's just going to be down to opinion and not a matter of like, oops, we really messed up when we made async and await happen. Yeah. It's got, it's uh, asynchronous stuff like that has got to be one of the how do i put this like the thing that your programming languages can do for you the least Mm -hmm. like 
compilers have basically figured out optimal like memory management. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to bother with most programming languages these days. We don't have to uh, manually allocate memory. Right. But we used to because it's a not an entirely simple problem. Mm-hmm. And more and more the programming languages, and I say the languages, but like, you know, the tools built around these languages started doing programming for you. Right. Which is to say that there's somebody who decided the first time. Yeah. This is how we're going to do it. And this is the best way, or this is the way I think it should be. And, um... You know, and like you said, it comes down to a matter of opinion whether or not it, but it's always going to work. You're not going to declare a variable and have a weird overflow thing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in Java. You get an overflow thing in Java? Yes. I feel like Java is one of them where memory management is like not a concern unless you do infinite recursion because the, there's always a size to the stack. Is that true? That sounds right. You have to be a little bit careful in Java. There's, uh, you can, yeah, you can definitely overflow everything. And if you don't catch it, it will just leak into the next slot in memory. In Java? I think if you don't, if you, if you catch it poorly, I, not if you don't catch it, if you don't catch it, it'll just crash. But if you catch it, if you catch it and don't do anything... (laughs) I think it can actually leak, but uh, don't quote Christ. me on that, Jared. Or that might be a, like an old version of Java. I don't know if that's yeah. still the case. Did you see, I think I posted about it on Snapchat, but somebody implemented the JVM in hardware. Why? <laughs> it's not a virtual machine anymore. It's just a machine. JVM stands for Java Virtual Machine. And someone implemented it in hardware like in in a microprocessor or something uh jvm hardware java processor <laughs> that's hilarious yeah giselle it's arm arm processors can do it some arm processors yeah giselle direct bytecode execution is an extension that allows some arm processors to execute java bytecode in hardware it's just there. They're just like, time to... It's not bad. It's just questionable. You can't say it's not weird to put a virtual machine on hardware. Yeah. Where was I going with this? Oh, Apple had WWDC, and that involved um, a lot of things. And I don't really need to talk about any of those things. Um, but I do want to tell you about something cool that Apple did, which is today when I got to the coffee shop, uh, and I opened up my computer and I opened up my iPad and my computer had forgotten the passcode for the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop, but my iPad had not. And I wanted to connect to the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. in the coffee shop. And so I clicked on the little, you know, the thing and I was going to have to run around and figure out what the password was. And my iPad said, Hey, your computer wants to know what the Wi-Fi password is. Do you want to tell it? And I said, yeah, go ahead. And then there it went. And my iPad told my computer what the password was. And that's, that's hella 
That's really cool. Uh, and I just was very impressed that Apple thought about that. Because it's a thing that I would not have thought about. But, like, yeah, right. you, you, you hit the button and it's like, that's, of course, why would you not have that happen? That's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I think that feature was meant for, like, your contacts doing that. Like, if someone comes to your house and tries to get on the Wi-Fi, you can, it'll pop ah. up and say, do you want to tell them? Ah. I think the way it's supposed to happen for someone who owns the same devices that it your Wi-Fi passwords are stored on the iCloud keychain, but maybe you don't have that set up or something. I have no clue. So that's, do you have anything to say about WWDC? Uh, I haven't gotten to that point in my podcast backlog yet. That's fair. I'm not starting from a year and a half ago. I am listening to... Uh, Dubai Friday, Connected, and ATP. Mm -hmm. Those are the podcasts I'm trying to... I still have a backlog, somehow. (laughs) But, uh... There is a take. You know, whatever level we're at in the galaxy brain ladder, Mm -hmm. there's a take one layer up that's like, podcast backlogs are not real. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not there yet, and it doesn't sound like you're there yet. Uh... But it is a take to be had. Not real in the sense that, like, you don't have to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't. Like, I I, I was saving the connected episodes, and then I uh, started listening to them, and I was like, this isn't interesting anymore because it's not new. <laughs> it was from a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. And uh, not that they're not entertaining, but... Uh, it's way more entertaining if it's topical. What, uh, I know sometimes you have had like an activity. It's like, I'm going to listen to a podcast and X. Yeah. That's kind of the issue. I don't have an activity. It used to be when I was in school, it was like, uh, walking to campus around campus and the back from campus. That took Mm -hmm. up a significant amount of my time. If there was any every any other any like grindy kind of homework, then I would listen mm-hmm. to podcasts. Then the pansexual happened, and then I stopped leaving. I stopped commuting, for one thing, and then I stopped right. leaving my apartment altogether. And then you stopped having homework. I stopped having homework, and now I don't listen to podcasts. Cool. Sometimes I feel like I am. When I do listen to podcasts, I feel like I'm forcing it. Mm-hmm. Like if I wanted to listen to podcasts, I would just listen to podcasts. I wouldn't have to like make a thing out of it. Right. Which isn't necessarily true. Especially because I I really like I I still really enjoy these shows. I just don't have the like I don't reach for podcasts when I uh-huh. am thinking about what I'm going to do in this very moment. Yeah. I had been listening to um, all of the You're Wrong About episodes, Mm. uh, just in order. And there are a lot of them about the O.J. Simpson trial. And I got probably five episodes in. And I was laying on the ground one day, you know, just enjoying the night. And I thought, I give negative shits about O.J. Simpson. And I deleted all of the podcasts about the O.J. Simpson trial. Because why was I hanging on to those? Why? What? 
So speaking of forcing a podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I deleted all my backlog for the news podcasts. And I've been trying my best to keep up, but there's still a backlog. Yeah. So I guess then that means uh, here as we record on June 13th, and then probably whenever this gets edited and released, Liz, what are your WWDC predictions for 2021? I'm interested to know. I honestly don't know. Uh, hmm. I I really hope that they like make any sort of like good faith gesture gesture towards the developers beyond the normal like you guys are great and this platform would really suck without you yeah it would i know they're not going to but it'd be really nice if they just went we got kind of up here would you like your hundred dollars back yeah like i don't think that would solve anything necessarily like most of the developers who like care about that kind of thing don't need a hundred dollars, but like mm-hmm. we're legitimately going to stop taking we're, we're we we're gonna drop this we're gonna drop the stupid fee thing we're gonna drop the in app purchases thing we're going to write actual clear rules and about <laughs> what gets on the app app store and then follow them. <laughs> And it's not like Apple has a stranglehold on developers. There's a lot of people who write apps specifically for iPhones. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're forced. I don't know, forced is kind of a big word, but like Apple doesn't let you develop for iPhones without a Mac using Xcode. Right. And Swift and Objective-C. And Swift and Objective-C are two languages only used by Apple platforms, basically. Yeah. So if you have a skill set that is iOS development, you know, it, it, they they transfer to other platforms, mm-hmm. but there are some start there are costs to switching if you wanted to write Kotlin Right, it's a new start... mental model. It's a it's a bunch of new APIs for how to handle user state and yeah. So Apple knows that they have this. I don't know. Uh, stranglehold is also kind of a big word, but like they they know that the develop most developers are not going anywhere, despite mm-hmm. having real and valid critiques of the way Apple's handling everything to do with developers so when i say i hope for these things i mean if i were in charge i would do these things but i'm not in charge and the people in charge will not be doing these things right especially with the ongoing lawsuit right that it's really hard Mm -hmm. within the context of there's currently a lawsuit happening to to say like hey all those things that we said about the lawsuit sorry about that because you, if you want to follow through with the lawsuit, you still need to double down on the things that you said during it. What does Apple lose if they lose this lawsuit? Not very much. Yeah. Nothing that they need. It's not going to make or break the business. But you know what would make or break the business? Is if you only had 
like if you didn't have all these incredible developers making good software for your platform. <laughs> I wish Apple the the most basic form of this thought is I wish Apple spent their money. Um you know, yep. Basic basic level, I wish Apple spent their money. It could be on masonry. I don't fucking care. There's a lot of really cool masonry because of a lot of shitty people uh, in the past of the city in which I live. But there's you get a lot of cool masonry out of that. And so, I don't know. That's 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 the thing that I wish. I wish Apple spent their money. Do you... This, this is not a question. This is a postulation. Um, and I started it with do you because I want validation. Uh-huh. Um, but actually, what's happening is I believe that at least some of it is that Apple is making more money than they know what to do with in a very real sense that like the market can bear very expensive iPhones and you can improve those iPhones incrementally and it will continue to bear that expense. And what do we do after that? I don't know. The answer is like services. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say things, but I just end up, Coming back to, like, the thing I wanted to say right there uh-huh. was that what if Apple stopped growing and just made iPhones? Growth, because that's that's the whole thing. Growth is not sustainable. Right. It can't be. You uh-huh. can't just keep growing. Uh-huh. You run out of atoms to turn into paperclips. I really hope that at WWDC they announce multiple timers. That's my hope. So, given uh, our propensity to say things like the whole previous segment uh, and my insistence that the Wording Bugs be a Bikes and Buses podcast. It is. Um, There's no insisting. It just is. Well, it couldn't be right, anything but else. I think... I think if I weren't, you know, doing my due diligence every episode to make sure that it's a Bikes and Buses podcast, it wouldn't be, you know? Hey. <laughs> I show up every two weeks just like you do. <laughs> That's There was no dig there. I was just saying. It felt a little I'm... diggy. It... Okay. There, I promise there was no dig. Okay. Okay. I was not practicing anything on you. I was I was just saying that most of the time, if there's a situation that I'm in that is a bikes and buses situation, it's my fault that it got that way. That's all I'm saying. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so between those two factors, uh, a Jared reached out to me on Twitter... Uh, as you always can do at my handle. Um, and I should say I'm off Twitter. Uh, so Jared reached out to me on Twitter. Which you're not on. Which I'm not on. And uh, tagged me in a post linking to some news. So Liz, I have a question for you. This is a question that I think we've talked about before, um, but I, I think it's an important question. Should the EU add modules to cars to limit their speed to the speed limit? 
We have to, either. We, we, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember where you came down on it. I think my answer was that they should not until all the cars do. Because it's dangerous to go the speed limit sometimes. Right. Okay. You're disrupting the flow of traffic if you go the speed limit. Uh-huh. Right. And there were some issues with like, okay, if you just have a uh, an AI and a camera pointed at the side of the road and you're looking for speed limit signs, what yeah. if you misread a speed limit sign? What if a malicious actor just <laughs> runs alongside you with a 30 kilometers per hour sign? You know? Yeah, or, you know, paints an eight over the three. Right. And so there are some issues that could arise with it. But the idea at its core is that engineers, engineers who we trust uh, without any hesitation, engineers have done the studies. They have researched it. They've looked at what is uh, safe. You know, this is not the world of ralph nader that's the guy that sounds familiar um he was a politician when we were babies and also wrote a book about cars uh he was one of the big consumer advocates he was like sometimes companies will do a thing that's bad for the consumer uh because they're a company and not a consumer and then the consumer gets a vehicle and they're like oh I'm just going to go with the defaults of this vehicle, uh, which are that there's no seatbelts and whatever. So that was this whole thing, unsafe at any speed. That was his his treatise on cars. Um, and he was like, and so what we should do about this is add regulations so that cars need to have safety features. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then... and so now we think maybe it's not that they're unsafe at any speed. Now they're just unsafe above the the speed that the engineers have done their simulations and decided what the speed is at which cars are safe, right? You told me that people will drive as fast, will essentially drive as fast as they feel safe. The size of a road gives cues uh, to you, to a driver, about how fast it would be safe to go. And a lot of times people will drive at the speed that the road feels designed for as opposed to the speed that the engineers have decided is the safest speed for the road. Okay. If it were up to me, every car would already do that. Um, Given that it can't all be at once, I think some model of once 50% of the car's on the road can do that yeah. then sure we'll sure. do it we'll yeah. make it happen um but it's a feature that you need to start building in starting in you know whatever 2022 i don't know where they're at with that i'm i didn't i don't know i just wanted it as a framing device um because the thing that jared tipped me off about uh so this is <laughs> this was i was like hey i'm off twitter and so i logged into twitter and I looked at my notifications, and I had uh, an at mention from uh, Jared, uh, succulent cutting on Twitter. Uh, no pronouns in the bio, so I'm going to go with they. Um, and they tagged me in a post linking to some news. Uh, and also tagged in this, you know, the comment under this original tweet was like, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the Wisconsin Examiner, uh, the People for Socialist Liberation, the PSL of Milwaukee, that, you know, that caliber of account that they were adding, and also me. 
So, Jared, thank you for recognizing the worrying bugs as legitimate journalism. And also, I'm frightened. I don't want that. I don't know what I did to become a person who was on that list. Um, you can let me know about it on Twitter. Thanks. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So, in the year 2019, uh, Milwaukee tried out a scooter pilot. They were like, what if we put some scooters in the city? Okay. And we let people ride those scooters, and then the scooters have an app, and you, you get the app, and you go on the scooter, and then the scooters go around, and then... People were like, I love these scooters. My favorite pastime is to ride them on the sidewalk and park them park them in people's driveways. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Horace Daydu, who is a micro-mobility expert. And I don't always love his takes, but I do, like, he, he sets the agenda in a big way mm-hmm. for people who talk about micro-mobility, is this Horace Daydu guy. Um, Could you give... Jared, a quick definition on micro-mobility. Micro-mobility is vaguely defined, but the basic idea is a lot of times when you're trying to get around, uh, you don't need two tons of metal that takes up, you know, four times your width and eight times your length um, just to, like, get you to to work. What you need to get to work is yourself and maybe a bag with your computer. Right. And then you get to work. Um and sometimes you need a mobile living room, and I am reluctantly starting to admit that fact, and I don't want to. But uh, for the times that you don't need a mobile living room or you don't need uh, something to carry a lot of stuff, you just need to move you. And so the idea with micromobility is you're moving you a short distance in an appropriately sized thing, whether that's a bike or a e-bike or a scooter or an electric scooter or a... Um, one of those things that you stand on that we call hoverboards, or I think Segway makes go-karts now. You could probably call one of those micro-mobility if you really wanted to. Okay. Um, one wheels, those are micro-mobility, electric skateboards, that kind of thing. So this like category of, it can't go super far, but it can go kind of far, um, and either it's self-powered or it's electrically powered. Um, I guess mopeds kind of also count as micromobility, which might not be electrically powered anyway. And so scooters do uh, like fit into a really interesting place in the micromobility world, in the world of, hey, we've got people and they need to get from here to there. What's the best way to solve this problem? Mm. Because a lot of times there are people and they need to get from here to there. And they don't need to bring a whole car with them, and they don't need to have all of the things that a car brings with them. Uh, but they also don't want to walk. They don't want to power themselves to get there. Uh, they would like to have an appropriately sized way of getting from A to B. Right. Um, and that comes in handy a lot. It comes in, it becomes relevant a lot when you think about uh, public transit. That a lot of times if there's public transit and it gets you within a mile of your home, especially as we talk about really reliable transit, you want that to be like water. You don't want to have to think about it. You want to be able to walk to the stop and there's going to be a bus there in the next couple minutes kind of thing. And it's really hard to do that and cover every square inch of the city. Right. Um, And so if you're thinking about 
okay, how do we have this like main corridor and get people from their home to this main corridor? Uh, the the micro-mobility space can solve that in a really interesting way. And micro-mobility has a whole lot of venture capital invested into it. And so uh, they're just kind of throwing things at the wall with a lot of money. Um, it's not necessarily sustainable, um, not because it is growth per se. Um, we were just talking about how growth is not sustainable, but it is... This thing where you've got a bunch of money and you're like, let's just try and get established and get people to understand who we are and how this product works and get like people relying on our services. And then uh, Uber's going to cost $100. What do you know? Here you go. Here's Uber. I know how you got rid of your car for Uber. It's $100 now. Love you too. And that is, I'm just going everywhere. I, I have notes. The notes are out the window. Um, so here's some facts. Here's some bullet points. We've got scooters. They're in Milwaukee in 2019. We tried them out. People kind of liked them. They used them a lot to go around. They also used them to park them in the sidewalk and to park them in people's driveways. That was less cool than the, the way that people got around in a vehicle that was appropriately sized for them. Um, you're grinning, and it's because I keep using the phrase a vehicle that's appropriately sized for you, but I really think that that is a, a legitimate way to look at micromobility. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's um, vehicle appropriately sized for you. So maybe like Vazzy. Vazzy. Okay. You can take, you know, you drop the F for four. A Vazzy. A Vazzy. I kind of like that. It's yeah. cute. It's like, uh huh. Yeah, we're just gonna hop on a Vazzy and go downtown. I like it. I like that a lot. Um, and because this is a, a new space that a lot of venture capital is being thrown to, um, they're trying a lot of things. So, 2019, they tried the thing uh, where they put a bunch of scooters in the space of Milwaukee, and they had tried this in other cities earlier. Um. But they decided to try it in Milwaukee in 2019 because Milwaukee was like, hey, we, well, so what happened was I think in 2017, 2018, a uh, company was like, hey, here's some scooters. And Milwaukee was like, scooters are illegal now. You're not allowed to do that. No scooters. <laughs> and they waited a couple summers and then they were like, hey, I know how you want to put scooters here. Can we, can we agree about some things? Mm -hmm. And so they agreed about some things. And now look at summer 2019. There are scooters in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's all excited because I can't remember if that's the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Uh, we are going to host the Democratic National Convention here in our city, our wonderful fair city. And so there's going to be all sorts of scooter things happening in our city because people want to get around. We can't have all sorts of people in their very large cars trying to get around. So what if we do scooters and we like make scooters a thing? And then, uh, you know, then it was March 2020. And then the funniest thing happened. Uh, COVID got to the scooters, got in the gas yeah. tank. And yep. And so they had tried this thing. They were like, hey, what if we just try out in 2019 the scooters? And we tried them out. And a lot of folks in Milwaukee and a lot of folks uh, 
generally in the the world who also tried the scooters were all like, "There's I have some problems with these scooters. They're pretty cool, but sometimes I am walking and there's also a scooter where I'm trying to walk. And the scooter is very large and made of metal and going 15 miles an hour. And I am relatively smaller, made of flesh and going five miles an hour. <laughs> so in 2021, after 2020 happened... 2021 happened and Milwaukee was like, hey, what if we bring scooters back? Oh, I forgot to mention the best part of this. So Milwaukee had in 2019 scooters and everyone was like, I don't like how these scooters are on the sidewalk. And the solution to that was that all of the scooter companies, Lime specifically, I like heard about this from Lime. Uh, they just paid people because this is what you do when you have venture capital. You you pay people to run around and pick up the scooters and charge them up and then drop them back off places, whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that because the, the charging problem they'd solved in other cities too. But in Milwaukee, they had a problem they needed to solve, which was people riding in places that they shouldn't be. This probably happens other places uh, as well. But I don't know. Apparently, it's a, a bigger issue in Milwaukee for some reason. Uh, they just had people standing around in lime shirts and you would you would scooter past them on the sidewalk and they'd go, hey, don't scooter on the sidewalk. And that was their job. And that's a venture capital way of solving a problem. And so <laughs> we get to 2021. 2020 has happened. Uh, it's, not, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just <laughs> inelegant. <laughs> And so, Liz, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place you into the shoes of the person who has to do the negotiation for, for Lime, let's say, for Bird, for Spin. These are all scooter companies that all operate in Milwaukee. Um, you're, you're one of these scooter companies' people, and you come to Milwaukee and you say, hey, I, you know, we did that pilot program in 2019. Can, can we have s- some more scooter in your city, please? And Milwaukee said, let's talk about it. We really didn't like when people were on the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. What might you say? It's been a couple of years. You're older. You're wiser. Uh huh. We're gonna put more people in lime shirts on the sidewalk. That would be one option. You could do that. Uh, or perhaps, um, we're going to place down rails that the uh, <laughs> scooters can't get off of. <laughs> Hey, guys, I know you loved your streetcar so much, and that was really the thing that you wanted. So what if we gave you tiny streetcars? We're calling it micro trains. (laughs) (laughs) Any other big ideas, uh, Uh, Ms. Ms. Lime? uh, Can we use the blockchain for this? Can we use the blockchain? What could we put on the blockchain? AI, blockchain... um... Zach, I have no clue. What, what did that It took you do? four guesses. Uh, what if we put AI in the scooters? Yep. <laughs> so. I want to talk about inelegant solutions. So this is an article from Wissen.com. It's, I don't know. Some probably Fox. I don't care. Uh, and they're like, Milwaukee is the first market in the world to test this tech. Little author's note. I don't think that's true. I just, like legitimately just don't think that's true. So this is the thing I was talking about my weekend a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my dad was in the news and uh, he was promoting a thing that he was doing and he was talking all about this thing that he was doing to the, the journalist. And then they were like, all right, let's just talk about something else, you know, the way the journalists do. 
and she was like, Hey, you know, let's, you know, we're talking about something else. And my dad was like, yeah, here's a thing that is only very tangentially related to the thing that I'm trying to promote. And he said a thing about me biking around the city. And he said, what a great way to save money and save the environment. Which like true, that's the way that I think about it. And they used that quote in a thing about a paid event that did not like save the environment. But it was just like the journalist needed 15 more seconds in a thing, a soundbite that sounded good, right? Right. Uh, I think what happened here is that the person they were talking to was like, it's going to do this particular thing. Uh, the technology is doing a different thing in this context, but like the technology is in other places. But this particular thing, it's the first time for Milwaukee's doing it first. I would guess. I don't know why else they would say that because it's currently rolled out in Washington, D.C. and Dallas. It's either blatant lie or just incomplete truth. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing that we're talking about here now that we are, I don't know, like half an hour into me talking about this scooter thing uh, is that it's going to be cut down to like 10 minutes. Thanks. That makes me feel really good about the three hours of research I did. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the the company owned by Ford Micromobility, uh, Spin, is going to take their scooters and put a little thing on in the front of them. And the little thing in the front of them is going to tell the scooter if you're on the road or not. Okay. And then it's up to the scooter to decide what to do. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so it's kind of modular like that. Mm-hmm. So with that, those pieces of information, I'll tell you it's a box, probably like the size of the microphone that I use, maybe the size of like two mugs on top of each other. Sure. Uh, that gets strapped to the front of your scooter. How do you think it determines where you are? Uh, GPS would make the most sense. You see, that might make some sense, um, but also what if it's New York? This new technology that we're trying out in Milwaukee, what if it's New York? (laughs) Um, Okay, then... When you have a lot of buildings, the the GPS signal bounces around, and it gets confused, and it can only locate you within, like, whatever, 20 meters. And that's not enough to tell if you're on the sidewalk or the street. Street signs, maybe? It's just a camera... Yeah. And it points at the ground in front of you and it goes, does that look like a sidewalk or does that look like a street? That's a bad idea. Okay. I think that will not work. Yeah. (laughs) That's a fair and legitimate criticism. What if I tell you that there's a whole other category that it might classify you into, which is a bike lane. And that's just out of the box. You can also define your own categories. Uh, by company or by city, it apparently has a 95% success rate. That's not good enough. What What does it do when it's not being successful? I don't know. I do not know. It's not good enough. It's not nearly good enough. I don't know what happens. Like you said, it it doesn't tell us what happens when it when it when when you're not on the road, but like, 
I'm starting to think that scooters are not what are not a good, not a perfect solution to the Vazzy problem. Can I just leave it there? Can I just make that noise and leave it there? Yes. I don't want to have to explain all of that. It's there's no good solution because we imagine that the only solution is cars and that makes it really hard to make anything else feasible because so much of our space is dedicated to cars. Ooh, I'm going to start a venture capitalist thing. Mhm. A startup, if you will. Right. That uh it's going to be like a Roomba but for cities and instead of vacuuming it makes them less friendly to cars and more friendly to everything else and the cities will pay i guess you don't have to worry about who pays you for it it's the it's the venture capital yeah exactly yeah. uh-huh do a service find, figure out the business model later yeah does it do the permitting for you too that's a great idea. Just kind of like hangs out in the courthouse like, beep boop, we need this area. I think it really depends. Like you said, 95% is not great when you're using it 100% of the time. Um, I don't want to be on my way to 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 work on my commute and... Through no fault of my own, have the dang Vazzy turn off. Yeah. Or yell at me, or contact the authorities, or... Like, how many things can you actually do? Like, there's not a whole... I can't think of any more things that the scooter could reasonably do when it thinks you're on a sidewalk. Yeah. Well... It does all of those things, except for turn off. I don't think it turns off, because that would be a very big safety problem. As if going from, you know, a high speed to a low speed very quickly in front of a moving vehicle, because you're supposed to be riding on the road, uh, you know, that's not a problem. Uh, it, it, does, it does most things, though. So it will slow you down. It will start yelling at you and yelling at other people on the sidewalk. Uh, oh, we do know what it does. Yeah. Okay. I this, thought we didn't so know what it does. The box itself doesn't decide what to do. The scooter manufacturer scooter and the scooter company okay. decides what to do. Um, so in this case, in Milwaukee, the spin scooters, once you go onto the sidewalk, it will start yelling. Once it detects you are on a sidewalk, whether or not you are on a sidewalk, it detects you are on a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. 95% accurate. Uh-huh. 95% of the time. It will start yelling at you because you're on the sidewalk now. Mm-hmm. It will start yelling at all the other pedestrians to say, there's a scooter on the sidewalk. John Mulaney oh. on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and it will make you go five miles an hour as your top speed, uh, where generally the standard top speed for an electric scooter is 15 miles an hour. If it detects you're on the bike lane, it will not yell, but it will take your top speed down to f- 10 miles an hour. I don't really get that one. I think <laughs> that 
I think we should want people in a vulnerable, vulnerable position of not being surrounded by two tons of metal to be in the bike lane. Maybe that's a smart place to put people in a vulnerable position. Will it yell at you if you're in the bike lane or will it just slow you down? Just slow you down. Mm. And again, that's something that it depends on the scooter. It depends on sure. the city. It depends on all sorts of things. Let me scroll down. Let me see what I'm missing. So the, the box itself is the Drover AI Pathpilot. Uh, it gets strapped to the front of a scooter. It adds a camera and an additional GPS module. Um, so if it can use GPS, it will use GPS. Otherwise, it's got on-device AI uh, because it wouldn't make any sense to be constantly streaming a video feed back to a server somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you've got on-device AI detecting whether or not you're on a sidewalk, bike lane, road, uh they also say you can, after the fact, define like a parking garage. And I said, what happens when that fails? And they said the expected accuracy is better than 95%. Better than 95%, actually. <laughs> Great news. It's like saying you got top eight. Yeah. You got eighth place. I'm going to tape a picture of a road in front of it. Smart. Does that... Does it have a... Uh anti-tampering protection or is that the five (laughs) percent you know how they do like face makeup to make it harder for face Mm -hmm. tracking to track you i wonder if you could do that if you could just like graffiti a road (laughs) so it looks like a sidewalk or the other way around ah it's like um god did you see the post somebody made they took an AI and trained it to make porn. And the thing okay. is, it doesn't look like porn. It looks like what an AI thinks porn is. Right. And so even though a human can look at it and say, well, that's not porn, you can't upload it anywhere because all oh. of the social media <laughs> sites go, that's porn, dude. That's hilarious. So you need to train an AI to make a road and then have that AI mm-hmm. feed a road into the other AI. Yeah, that's actually what my Roomba uh, thing is going to do. It's going to paint. It's going to go around. It just drives in front of you and (laughs) casts light into the... It's called competition. It's called the free market. (laughs) Uh, They also provide parking verification, which is neat. That's kind of an important part. If you park in the sidewalk, if you park uh, in somebody's driveway, it is bad for anybody who needs to use the sidewalk as a continuous smooth thing uh, like somebody in a wheelchair Um, if you park in somebody's driveway everybody gets mad at the scooter company uh, and gets mad at the concept of micro mobility and I don't want that I just want people to be happy Uh, it's also mobility data specification compliant uh, which means that it sends anonymized data about each scooter uh, back to the city servers. The idea with this is that uh, once once the city has all this information, then they will make good and important decisions about uh, where to put bike lanes and good scooter infrastructure. And we grew up in Rosendale, Wisconsin, And there's another thing that you can do with resources once you realize that people are going to be incorrectly using those resources, and it is not to take away the problem. 
it is to criminalize the problem and then heavily police the problem. Unfairly, of course. Well, uh, you know. Inequitably, perhaps, would be a better word. Yeah. But I am the CEO of a small AI company in San Francisco, and so I only ever think about how things could be used for cool purposes, like the city is going to do responsible things with all of this data that we give them. And I do, I believe that there will be cities who use this data in a good way. Mm -hmm. Kicking the problem over to someone else, saying, like, we're not responsible at all because they had free choice to do whatever they wanted with this data. Mm -hmm. It's flimsy at best, mm -hmm. especially considering history. And I, I say, when I say history, I don't mean things you learn about in school, stuff in a book, literally 10 days ago. <laughs> if you consider things that happened a week ago, <laughs> maybe you're, you're like, oh, we're just, we're just collecting data. We're not actually doing anything. Like, it's kind of naive. And it's so naive that it makes me think that you're not actually that naive. You just don't want to have to do it yourself. And uh, that sucks for you. It sucks of you. This reminds me of the issue of bike helmets and scooter helmets. Okay. If you weren't aware, every time you say, I'm going to ride your scooter on the app, the scooter app says, don't forget your helmet. And you say, you got it. And you aren't wearing a helmet. <laughs> Because the point of a micro-mobility scooter is that it starts where you are, and yeah. then you take it on a journey to where you want to be. And if the place where you are right now is not where your helmet is, yeah. then what? Then what do you do? The answer is you don't, you don't wear a helmet because you don't have a helmet because you are out doing something. And you're like, well, I want the scooter now because the scooter solves this particular need that I have. And like... Maybe they imagine that we all live in a world where everybody carries helmets everywhere, but that's not a reality. And it's until you, you know, have Jerry Seinfeld doing it, it's not going to be. Yeah, I know that's and I'm just trying to think of like a guy that people look at and go like, that's a normal man. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Jerry Seinfeld, the most <laughs> normal of men. <laughs> You're looking for uh, Jim Caviezel is uh, Griffin McElroy's choice for most normal man. <laughs> uh, until Jim Caviezel is is walking around on TV carrying a helmet everywhere that he goes, even if he doesn't use it all day, it's not like a reasonable expectation to have. And now let's talk about bike helmets. They help sometimes. I'm not going to sit here and say bike helmets hurt. There are some people who say that. I think they have an agenda. I have an agenda too. Everybody has an agenda. I have other things. This is follow down for more things about spin that will hopefully be lighter. Not only is this classic worrying bugs content, it is mm -hmm. like sometimes we say this is a classic worrying bugs topic and it's kind of like I tried a new milk. Uh -huh. It was pretty good. This is this is great. This is good content. I'm having a great time, and I would like to hear more about it next week. All right. 
so Jared, uh, I think your name was Succulent Cuttings. I want to say thank you for bringing this to my attention. Um, I think the lens through which you originally framed this of, hey, maybe just applying AI to this problem is not the solution. That was a good framing. Yeah. So thank you. Jared, if you're out there and you have a hot tip on some very important news, um, really legitimately feel free to contact me because this was a lot of fun um, researching this and getting involved in uh, this topic that I hadn't thought heavily about before, but really has so much depth to it and so much, um, I don't know, so much cool, cool different ways of, of looking at this problem. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. We regret to inform you, Jim Caviezel is wrong. He's just... (laughs) He's wrong, and and that is all. (laughs) We're very sorry for saying he's a very normal person. (laughs) Oh, God. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. We apologize for the earlier segment in which we claimed that Jim Caviezel was a normal person. That was incorrect. Jim Caviezel is very wrong. This has been a PSA and an apology from the Worrying Bugs. Jared, if you have any ideas about what Apple should spend $23.5 billion on, or if you make an AI box that gets 96% of its classifications accurate, you can reach out and let me know about it on Twitter. I'm at... 